Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Passing Times. Really excited for today's guest. He's a provincial and national champion at club with Pac-Man. He was on one of the best regional teams of all time playing with the OVA. Uh, he's an OVA All-Star. He's been Sheridan uh, Bruins Athlete of the Year. He's a five-time first-team All-Star in the OCAA. He's got an OCAA bronze medal recently from this season, and he is the all-time dig leader in the OCAA. Please welcome to the show, Liam Butcherite. Liam, thanks for doing this, man. Hey, thanks for having me. So we just had a, a couple Pac-Man guys on the show recently. Like, uh, Navery would be our most recent guy, and I was fascinated to learn that, like, you could play volleyball at a really young age in your area. So were you like Nav and you started playing volleyball in like the sixth grade or what kind of other sports were you into? And when did you start taking volleyball pretty seriously? Uh, for me, I actually started a lot later than most of the Pac-Man guys. I didn't start until partway through the 15 new season, actually. Growing up, I always played um, baseball and hockey. And then in my um, grade nine, when I went to Rickhanson Secondary School, is when I really started getting into it when I played under um, Dave McAllister. He was the coach there, and so he he was the one who really started getting me into it because volleyball is a big sport at that high school. We had practice, you know, twice a day, and that's all. You live and breathe volleyball there, and he breathed the culture, just loving to play the sport, playing the sport. So that's where it really started, and then the 15 new coach for the B team, Amar Balkran, actually refed one of our games for that year, and then after the game, uh, he came up to me and he was asking, hey, you know, we're short a guy. You want to come play left side for me? And I said, ah, sure. I, I went out, I tried out, but uh, I made the team. And then and that's where it all started. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure some of our listeners recognize Rick Hansen and definitely Max name there. I, I mean, it's a pretty famous school for having one of the worst basketballs overhanging the left side if you're playing on court one there. But it's also cool that uh, you guys host some great tournaments. Uh, there's been some guys going through there. So trying to get my timeline together, who would have been some of the seniors at, at Rick Hansen that would kind of showed you like what volleyball could be? Cause coming in as a grade nine, like would Calvin have been on the team a little bit older than you or who were some of the guys you could look up to at that school? Yeah. So probably the, the biggest name was Calvin Lee was on the senior team while I was there for my grade nine and 10 years. So yeah, Calvin Lee, I think he was the only one who actually went on to play like varsity from that team, even though I didn't even play club, even though they were a very good team. Uh, great my great tenure, I actually played up with him. And man, Calvin Lee is the best setter I've ever played on. <laughs> he made me a five, six, tenth grader look like a stud against a bunch of 12th grade, six, four, six, five guys. It was unbelievable. So take me through that fall season, because when you say two a days, I'm like, oh, like that's, that's a lot. I think for some high schools, practicing like every day after school is a lot. So was it just fun going to the gym every day and playing? Like it wasn't a big deal to get out of bed and get that morning session in? Yeah, yeah. It was, um, like, we, there was, it wasn't always, like, a practice. Like, McAllister would always be there. One of the coaches would always be there. But we'd have, like, a morning practice, usually, where we'd show up around 6.30. And it was just, you love being with a great group of guys. So you, there was no, you always loved going to the guys there. Um, and then after high, after school, it was always, it was a practice as well. And sometimes it was just, you went up to Dave, Dave and you went, hey, can we just come and play volleyball for an hour or two after school if nobody's using it? And that would be that. Sometimes would be what it was. Because during during when we had games, it would, wouldn't be quite as busy. But he let us use the gym right through the entire school year for it. So that was really how get really get into the sport. And like it was just fun. It was always available for you, basically. Nice. And with you being a competitive athlete in other sports, what was your first impression of club volleyball? Because 
uh, a pessimist might say you're playing on a B team, but Pac-Man, the B teams are still really, really good. So you're stepping into a team who's going to play for like provincial medals and national medals. So what were the first feelings? Like, did you notice like a difference between the high school level and the club level or were they pretty similar because you were a Hanson guy? Uh, 100%. There's a difference between the club and volleyball, um, or high school. In high school, at Hanson, at least my year, was here with just a bunch of like five, six, five, eight guys who worked really hard and played a lot of defense. Um, but in, when you went to club, all of a sudden, you have, even at 15 years, guys like Shawan, who were already like probably six, five at the time, you know, a bunch of guys who were over six foot. Uh, you know, you had every team, every, all the top teams had their, their main hitter who could really go up and bang a ball. So that was the big difference where in high school you have, not every team had a guy to bang the ball. A lot of times it was just the ball. They could get the ball over, they could hit it over, but not really like end a point straight down type of thing. So that was a big difference. And then obviously the, just the compete and the compete level there was the ball control is huge. There's a big difference in clubs. Obviously, you get more reps against better players, uh, just more experienced players. And so it was just a lot of reps, a lot of uh, continuing to see the difference in skill at that level, especially when you're in the top tier. For sure. And would Pac-Man, uh, would the B team scrimmage the, the A team or, or would Black play gold a lot in training or were you guys pretty separated? Uh, we, were, we were pretty separated. They didn't really play... Especially with my first year there, and the prior to the us actually becoming a better team by provincial. Uh, the year before that, there was like I want to say there was I think it was thirty two teams in the OVA that my the year before I was there, in the, my first year, and coming into that first season, we were ranked like twenty six out of thirty two. So it was they didn't really. We didn't have the right to really say, hey, do you want to scrimmage us? Do you want to play against us? I guess you could say. We didn't really have any. They had no reason to say yes to the 26th overall team, I guess. So in your mind, what what changed the most then? Because you, you go in and you're saying like you're you're kind of a bottom feeder, like 26 out of 32. But I think in your 16 year year, it wasn't unusual. It was probably the norm actually for Black to play gold in finals of every age group tournament. So what was the big yeah. swing that you guys went from like, oh, just kind of happy to be here to being like, yeah, we might be the B team, but we be pretty good and we're going to play in the final every tournament? I think it was, you know, it was 15 new, that 15 new year, it was just, Little by little, we started winning more and more games every tournament, and then all of a sudden we ended up in Tier 1, then all of a sudden we started playing, beating these top teams, and it kind of really started from just a, a belief that we can play with these teams. You know, it was, yeah, they were bigger than us, for the most part, but like, it was, and this was something Dave McAllister really drilled into my head, and Ahmad Balcran was actually a Rick Hans alumni, so he played for Dave McAllister as well, my coach at Pac-Man which is, you know, attitude and effort is two of the most important things, I believe, when you're playing. You know, there's no such thing as no ball hit the ground where one or two guys chasing it on the ground. And that was a big difference. We just, nobody really played defense like us in that 15 new year. We had a couple guys who could score, but we dug balls like crazy. And there was just that belief as we slowly moved our way up the rankings, even more important, more teams, better teams. You know, all of a sudden getting to the final four at tournaments, it was, oh man, like, 
you know, we're not a bad team. We can we can play with these guys as long as you know we're we when we play our game, we play at the highest level that we can. We can beat anybody, sort of thing. And then after that fifteen new year is when it it really started to click, and I think people started to recognize the rest of the team and like you know what these guys aren't bad. And I think it actually led to a little bit of a rivalry, or at least some great moments with Gold playing Black. And you and I were just talking before the the show, so you can confirm what I think is one of the greatest club volleyball stories of all time, at least in the OVA. But take me through when uh, maybe some pessimists would say it's an upset, but take me through uh, your year at provincial and nationals when like the rivalry was really boiling over, and it, it wasn't an A versus B anymore. It was Pacman versus Pacman, and both teams were really good. Uh, so yeah, so the first time that really came down with the Colorway Nationals of my 15 year year when we actually ended up winning in it as the B team. Um, so it was the, the first day of Nationals, the first day of three, we had Pacman in our group because we were, we were a much lower seed. They were number one. It just worked out. We ended up in their pool. So we're playing and we beat, we battle and we go all the way back and forth the whole way and we end up taking it in the, the third set. Yeah, we crucially sure played third set in the first day. We ended up taking it, and as we're shaking hands, the, um, the head coach for the, the A team, as he's shaking my coach's hand, you know, says to him, "That will that will never happen again. So, you know, we will never beat them again." And so we were we were livid after that. Like we were like, you know what? This is it was honestly awesome that we could put that coach in that situation. That you know what? We're don't don't sleep on us, basically, right? We're we're good too. And then, so tournament continues. If we go to day two, the repool is we win that pool. I don't, I don't know if we win that pool, but we, we do well. We end up in the tier one playoff. We're going, and in the semifinal, we end up matched up with uh, Pac Man again. And so it was, we're excited because ever since after we made that comment, it was just like, oh man, all we wanted to do was play them again to make it happen again. And so again, it was battle back and forth, right? It was, they were very obviously they were, they were a very good team. They were the best team in the country, rank wise. And we were going back and forth. We ended up taking, and then we beat them again in the semifinal. And it was funny because uh, Aurora Storm was the team we were going to play in the in the final now because we won the semi. They were so excited that we beat them because everybody was excited we beat them just because nobody's supposed to. Right? They were they were supposed to be the team. But, you know, we beat them and then move on. We win nationals. And then we come back the next year, pretty much the exact same team. We don't lose anybody, but we picked up one or two guys. And then our, we all get pitch in to get these shirts made that are, you know, packed in for, for a warm-up and practice shirt. We're on them and say, it, it happened. So <laughs> most, most people think it's, you know, as a B team, we, it happened. We won nationals. But no, it's just, you know, it happened again. We beat Packman Gold twice right after <laughs> immediately after them saying it will never happen again. What a great response to yeah, a coach kind of overstepping and saying, oh, enjoy this one, guys. It'll never happen again. And then it does. And then you just rub it in their face in the most subtle way where you guys are at a shared practice <laughs> or a clinic. And it's like, oh, they're wearing those shirts again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't know if they ever knew that, that was, that's the actual meaning, but it, it happened, but that's what it was. And even as a young guy, how did you regroup? Like, obviously, it's easy to fire up and play in a national final, but like, to the emotion, the the energy to beat Pac-Man, like, did you guys feel like you had anything in the tank to play that final? Like, was it easy because you were playing another Ontario team in Storm? Like, I, I just know a lot of teams who kind of, like, 
are, are just spent after an emotional semifinal like that and they have nothing left for the final like could you guys regroup and get fired up again uh yeah it was um i want to say like i think we were in just a lot better we were just really well conditioned because we were a shorter team and our coach knew that so every practice probably half an hour was just conditioning to get us ready so that when we get to those third day finals like we could we would still have you know gas in the tank so when you're six five, you don't need to jump as high to get over the net, right? But when you're, you know, I think I was probably like five eight, and our other left side was maybe five eleven. We had to still be able to match jump, so it, was, it really helped with that. But it was, I also want to say, it was a lot of adrenaline, just pumping through the veins. You're in a national final. You just beat the best team in the country. You know, it's and yeah, I think you know playing an Ontario team, we had seen them before, so it definitely wasn't. It definitely helped. We knew what we were walking into. And they were a storm, and believe it or not, they were a very good team. They had us, they had us, like, they rolled us in the first set. They were rolling us in the second set, and I don't know, it was just, we just woke up, and we came back, and we battled all the way back. And so it was, yeah, just, yeah, we were in good shape. Our coach kind of knew that we needed to be in, our legs needed to be in really good shape, just because we were a shorter team. But it was also, the adrenaline going through our veins was unreal. The emotion in general, you wouldn't feel anything. So with you kind of playing like a year, year and a half maybe uh, of club ball, and then you go out to regional tryouts and you end up making a team that has you, uh, Shawan, Dane, Intrigue, Tom Sora, like the, the list just seems to, uh, Taheed, like I'm forgetting guys as we go on here. So uh, I'm sure some guys would argue with me, but I think it's probably the best regional team ever assembled. So what was that experience like? Because uh uh, our, our team was stacked. I was there too, Alan and uh, Steve Kong. We were coaching and then we got to play against like David Doty was a region three guy. Yeah, Pereira. I think Kevin LeBrow was the big guy on the region six team that year. Like your age group was pretty stacked. So what was it like coming together to make like a, an all-star team from region five that uh, arguably I think half of it was Pac-Man guys when he combined the gold and the black guys, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think so. I think there's four or five guys from the, that were from Pac-Man, whether it was black or gold. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a lot of fun, you know. And you, you can't go wrong with playing with, playing with some of the best guys in the country every time you go to practice. Right? I think there were a bunch of rules around how much how often you practice, but like it was like once a week we'd, we'd all meet up for for a practice, and it was the crazy thing was in such a short amount of time we became we became such a tight team too, and it, I think that really helped. Like it was. No, nobody had anything against anybody. Everybody wanted, everybody loved everybody. Everybody played with us, wanted to play with them like it was family, like we were one team. And it just, yeah, it was, you're playing with some of the best players of our age group all on one team. And it's great, like the, the level of volleyball in that practice every day that we were there. And then when we got to regional, it was just so much fun to play. It's, it's something you remember for, you know, 20, 30 years down the road, that's, that's one of the things you're going to remember playing is on that team winning and stuff like that. As a, so that's, that's just the great thing about it. Yeah, like I think uh, hearing your story, like I think the underdog stuff is cool, but equally as cool as like you were on a team and we were supposed to win and we did. And, and it wasn't easy. And, and yeah, there was limited practice times. Like uh, even losing to, I think we lost to the other Region 5 team. And I won't even call them a B team. They were just like a year younger 
uh, w- with some guys our age as well, but I think like their horses were kind of like Zane, uh, Grossinger, and a few other guys. So you know, it was just a really cool tournament experience and playing with good guys and just the expectation to win. And uh, I'm wondering if that set the table for your 17 new year because uh, that's when Pac-Man kind of and it happens at a lot of clubs. You have two really competitive teams, and then around 17 or 18, you kind of merge them, and now you're the guy, and you're playing with Parveer and Shawan and Figs, and I think Tom Sora came over from uh, from Lee side there. So you're playing on a team that again has high expectations. Like, what was it like your 17 year year with Pac Man? Yeah, that was my first year coming in as a Lebel playing on the 18 uh, or the gold, whatever, whatever, whichever one you want to call it. Um, but yeah, it was. It was very different because prior to that, I was always the underdog. You know, we weren't supposed to win. No matter what, every, all the teams I ever played on in sports, I always seemed to be on that team that's good enough. Just, I like playing on that underdog team, it seems like. And that was the first time where it was like, we shouldn't lose a game, right? We, we're not supposed to lose a game. And it's, it's a very, I don't want to say it's a lot of pressure, but it's a different kind of pressure, you know, than playing an underdog. It's, as an underdog, there's no expectations. You come in, it's either you play well or you go home, right? But as the as the, uh, the, the top team, like it's, you're supposed to win. You're supposed to play well every day, every game. And you know, it, it was um, it was a lot of fun. Obviously, nobody, everybody likes to win, and that that was that was a lot of fun. Can't argue that. But it was also, you know, nobody on that team was really bigger than bigger than the team. You know, nobody had, even though, you know, Schwann is the best hitter in the country at that age. He, he didn't brag about it. He didn't hear about it all practice, you know. And, you know, no matter, even though we had the best team, best players, sort of, sort of speak rank-wise, it was, we were still, very, I, I thought we were a very humble team. We, we knew there were teams out there that could beat us if we didn't show up. And so it just, that really helped us to kind of really mentally focused every every day, every tournament, every practice. Like we can't take it easy because there are teams out there that can't beat us. We don't take them seriously. And so it, it, there was that and it was it was a lot of fun just to be on that team. There was a very there was a, they were very mature in that in that sense. Maybe it was the fact that they've been the top team for three years prior to that, but they were very mature in that sense, just walking in. Now, did you get a sense that like it, it was really team led, and it was you guys in the room kind of deciding this, or uh, having Orst uh, Stanko as the coach? Did that kind of influence a little bit? Because there's a guy who's won uh, so many OUA uh, championships, Canada Games. Like he, he's been a part of so many major events in our sport. Where now he's coaching a 17 year boys club team. Like, did he have any influence or role on that dynamic, or was it kind of just like you said, the, the guys in the room kind of kept everybody grounded and knew that you had to show up and battle every day still? He had a lot to do with it. You know, he brings so much to the table, all like his, all those accolades he said, and just so much volleyball knowledge to pass down to us. You know, it was he really like really got it into us. Like, you know, the biggest thing for us was we didn't at the start of the year we didn't play the best like defense, and you know by the end of the year like it was a night and day, and that was a lot of him. You know, a little bit here and there. Uh, just working on things and positioning and all that stuff. But then it was also the the, um, the mental side of the game as well. He, he really helped with the, when when things weren't going our way, he, he always seemed to have to know the right thing to say to get us back engaged, back in, you know, in the in a groove sort of thing. Whenever we had, we had to call a timeout because the team was on the roll, 
we always see he'd say the right thing, he'd tell us to do the right thing, and then we just it would just work out. And then it was because he's been around the game for so long as well. It was we call a timeout, and he'd be like, "Listen, we're," or they'd call a timeout. Somebody would, and he'd be like, "Listen, this is what they're going to do. They're going to pass a perfect ball here. They're going to set the middle. He's going to hit the five. Nine times out of ten, he got that down. He got that to the key. He knew exactly what was happening because he 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 knew what was going to happen. Just to, he'd been around the game for so long, and it was he, he had so much success, and I definitely enjoyed playing for him for that year that I was there. And one cool thing for you guys, uh, uh, I mean. Maybe it's still a little bittersweet. You, you take a second at Nationals, but that was the year they kind of combined VNL with Nationals. So it's this huge festival event. Like the, the national team guys are around, and you actually get to play the final on like the the senior team Canada court. So what was that match like? Because uh, I'm sure when you're in it, you don't notice, but when you look back, it's like uh, your team had you and Shawan and Figs and all these guys, and you're playing against like I think Jesse Elser was on that team, Jackson Howe, like a bunch of really good guys from that Canuck Dinos team, like. Was it just such a thrill being able to play on like the show court and being a national final at that that level, like playing against future national team guys? Yeah, it was it was crazy. Like it was when you're on the court, like it, it kind of just you didn't even, didn't even realize. It. It just, I don't know how many times. Like I think each set it was like they blow the set dead, and you're like, oh, oh, the game's done. Oh, okay. You just you kind of got into it, and you just started going. It was it was one of those games where. You never, you never looked at the scoreboard because it was just, it was so much fun. It was so back and forth. And, we, and when you're playing against guys of that caliber, it's, it's, you, it's so much fun. And you just, you, those are the games you live for and you love playing. And it's to be able to perform and play at your highest in those games, which I think both teams did, made that final just honestly one of the best, most competitive games I've played in in my career especially in the club club era when I was playing club. And going into your 18 new year, I, I'm curious uh, what the behind the scenes was because uh, Jordan Pereira comes over and now you have probably the two best liberos in the province trying over the same team. So was there an opportunity for you to stay with gold and maybe fight for the spot or maybe be like, uh, even being the left side on that team, you probably would have been listed as like the third or fourth guy because they had... Schwan, Tariq, Parveer, so like you're, you're battling there, like what, was it a conscious decision that you're like, no, I want to go get my touches, I want to play a lot, I want to help, uh, I want to help the black team, or was there an opportunity to stay with gold, like what went into that decision when you saw like JP was going to make the drive from St. Catharines to be a Pac-Man guy? Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I had I had made the team, but it was also, so it's 17 you our 16 you black team, a lot, and when we went to 17 most of the starters went somewhere else. I went to AT and a couple guys went to Mac. Uh, one guy, Jordy, I said, went to Aurora, I believe. And then ATU, everybody was coming back. And so I kind of looked at it like those are those were guys I grew up with. Those were guys, and I I thought you know I felt like we were going to be a top team again. And then had nothing to do with JP being on the team. I, I would have loved to play with the guy. Would it would have been an honor to battle for that spot with him. And then it was just you know all, all my my boys were all back on the black team. I, you know, it was a team that in 16 years where we won, we came third at provincials in 16 U, um, second in national, Eastern nationals and third, third at, or fourth in Western nationals. So like we were, we were one of the top teams there and it was the exact same squad where we came back. And then, so I was like, you know, this team was full. I, I would have loved to play with them, but it was just, I wanted to go play with my friends. I wanted to go play for 
the guys I, I've known for five years now, four years. Nice. And as you're going through 17 and 18, you, when did you start to look at post-secondary and what were you looking for? Like, were you looking for, I want to stay close to home or I want big school, small school, like area of study? Like, what were some things that started to enter your mind? Because with your accolades, like you're an OVA all-star, you've won provincials and nationals. Like, I'm sure volleyball wasn't going to end for you in 18U, but what were some of the thoughts or decisions or conversations you were having with coaches at the post-secondary level? Um, for me, a big, the big thing was the education part because you know, eventually you're going to have to, you know, enter the workforce. So I was, I, I was, I was looking for, um, well, very, I was looking to like chemical engineering at the time. Um, so it was, and there are lots of schools that are coming to me and not all schools had a chemical engineering program. Um, but it was lots of conversations with coaches, like, what are you looking for? What are you doing? Um, and it's just, uh, I told them what I was looking for. And I would be, you know, obviously I wanted to play volleyball. I wanted to play on a competitive team, but I also wanted, you know, wanted that good education as well to come with it. And so it was lots. Of, I had lots of options, plenty of options, and then it came down to I'm from Mississauga, so Sheridan ended up being hometown. It wouldn't have mattered if I was going away hometown. That wasn't a big deal to me. But their, their chemical engineering program for colleges was one of the one of the best in Ontario that they that it was offered. And so and and looking at that team, the, the year prior to me, they won bronze just the year before me. They had a lot of returning guys. So they, they were going to be a very good team. I got I'd gotten the chance to to practice with them and beat some of the guys from that team too. And I love I love just the environment and the energy of Sheridan College as a, as a whole. So I think that ended up really being my decisive factor was the the culture they have that over at Sheridan when I was when they were looking to talk to me. Nice, nice. And yeah, you mentioned the the team did well the year before, and they had put together a, a lot of good years. Like when McAllister was the head coach, and uh, yeah. I think Jesse was there, and Cody was there, and even like just before you. Uh, I, I had to coach against this guy. We never actually did figure it out or slow him down, but I thought Josh Butler was just an awesome player. Oh, but um, did he have a year left when you got there, or who were some of the guys on your team? Like, I'm thinking Josh was getting up there in eligibility. But, like, did you get to play one season with him, or who were some of the guys on the squad your first year? Um, yeah, so there the two starting left sides were the year before were Josh Butler and Jeremy Fanton. They were they were both seasoned, but um, starting center and Justin Kong, starting middle um, and Chris Adams uh, were both coming back. Um, uh, Dylan Cruz was one of their like third last side, Josh Lavelle, he was back. Um, who else was back? Huh. There were there were a few guys coming back who were like their first half adventures, you know, their the starters. And then on top of that, I had Harvey was coming to Sheridan as well. Um, I knew about that. Then we also had um, Sean Lasala, who I, I had known from Pacland. He was coming. Um, so it was a lot of it was a lot of really good guys, a lot of guys. But and then we had met over the summer again, and it was just a great group of guys, and they were very, very talented. There's a lot of talent on that team. We met, we worked the policy. We were a very short team, but we had a lot of talent, and just it was a lot of fun. And it, it might have been the culture because I played with McAllister High School, so it was similar culture, and it just kind of clicked because the culture was the coach prior. But just it was a very I, I loved the, everything you could do about the environment every time I came to, to share it in there. It was just, it was maybe because they're so, they're a very defensive orientated 
organization, and that's what I love to do. So it was and my first year there. That was how we won games. Was we dug the ball basically until the other team hit it out. <laughs> so it was it was a lot of fun, and I think that was the culture, the education, just, just really stood out for me with Sheridan. So that was that was my what led me to choose there. And what was your first impression of the OCW? Because you're playing at one of the best clubs. Like you're playing with guys who are going to go on to play professional, play for Canada. And don't get me wrong. Like I'm an OCWA guy. I love coaching the, the years I was at George Brown there. But it, it can be a mixed bag. And even the names you're listing, like there's some guys who play club. There's some guys who are really good high school players. There's some guys who are awesome on like the nine man circuit. And then you could put them together. And Garrett and I laugh about this all the time because Garrett didn't really know what the OCWA was because he was a club guy and went to Western. He's like, these guys are so passionate and they get so fired up that like every game is so emotional and it's just fun to be in the gym. Like. What was your feeling around the OCAA, like going from a really good club team to now playing against guys who are a little bit older and maybe you're learning some new guys playing against different squads? Like what was what was the feeling going into the OCAA for you? I was I was really excited. There was, I think it really helped that I was coming in on a team where it was kind of split fifty fifty with older guys and younger guys. For rookies coming in and older guys coming in. The older guys there to really help you know, with a help us with it's a very different mind. I don't know if it mindset's the right word, but very different, um, very different game. Obviously, it's. Um, I remember the big thing was when I came in. There was um, still guys like Dave, uh, Trevor McLaughlin on um, uh, Mohawk, um, Dre Foreman on Santa, uh, um, Sebastian Lefford on Santa. So there's a lot of talent in the OCAA when I came. And yeah, like like you said, how you got you know, talk about like it's every point seems like the it seems like you're winning the game on every point sometimes in those in those tight games because it's just everybody's so excited. Everybody's so that was a big difference too with between club where obviously you got excited when you scored points and and whatnot in the club and it was still you had fun, but there are times where a coach would be like. Like relax, like you don't need to cheer that much. You tired yourself out because you're cheering too much. You know, it was it was kind of like, and it was just a lot of fun. And that was especially with our Sheridan team. I felt it was just because that year everybody, everybody got along. The, the older guys got along with the younger guys. Everybody, everybody wanted like enjoyed having fun on the court, on the bench, everywhere. Everybody was having fun, enjoying themselves. And, and so yeah, for you being a ball control guy and an attitude effort thing, like. Was it easy for you to switch back and forth? Because it wasn't unusual. Like, you're kind of identifying as a lib, and you're going in, and you're kind of taking over the league. But looking at some box scores over your career, it's not unusual for you to play left side, right? So is it a different yeah. feeling going to the gym, knowing that you're going to have to max jump and swing? Or are you just a volleyball guy, and you're like, coach, put me in. I'll play middle this set if you need me to. Like, what's the feeling having to manage, like, <laughs> two positions at a pretty high level? Yeah, well, the funny thing about you mentioning middle, no, no, it's 16 you. I was actually our starting middle um, <laughs> for most of the season, just I got to throw that out there, you know, very, very proud of that moment. So <laughs> of course. Time. Um, but no, it was, um, yeah, it was, it was just one of those things where I just, I was, I would tell my coach and I, I want to, I think he knew, like, whatever the team needs, I'm, I'm there. You know, I'm, I'm, I'll be that guy. I, I, you know, after my second year, my third year, when I started, like, going in to play left side every now and then, that was when I took over the captain role at Sheridan. And so I think I just, I made, I told Frank, like, listen, that's that third year we also, we had a lot of the guys leave that year. So we were, 
we didn't have a lot of depth on the bench, but we had silver starting six. We had guys come in just, you know, not a whole lot of depth. They were more serving guys would come in and serve for us and whatnot. I love that they're still great teammates, but it's just they're they're way undersized and just they were very raw. A lot of very young, very raw. They were they needed more to crap this time basically. They were about a year out before they could really start hitting the ball consistently. And I just told Frank and then, and he understood it was I'm I'm there for the team. I'm I'm the captain. I'm the guy who if you need me, I'll do whatever the team needs, right? And so I I set three games in my second year just because we wanted to try something different. In my third year, I think I played half the games with the left side. Just, it depended on how big the right side block was, how big the right side and the center block was, who it was. If it was, it was if it was a bigger bigger block, we put the other guy in who could jump a little higher than me, and he's just a little bigger. And then if it was a smaller block, we put our backup lid in, and then and then I'd go hit left side with the. And then it just it kind of depended on matchups in that third year. Then with fourth year, and it was just one of those things. Where, like I said, whatever the team needed, I was I was there there for that. And you know we it was it was a play. I would wouldn't change a thing. Right? I love playing defense. I love playing with. But I'm, I'm as captain and just as a team guy, whatever the team needs, I'm I'm happy to provide. And what would go into your prep work? Like, I, I love the attitude and everything, but I'm curious, what would you be doing with a league that has video and you have coaches and you have game plans? So uh, are you adjusting where you play base? Like, obviously, some games you're playing 6-5 or now hearing that you set, you're playing one. Like, uh, are you adjusting where you're going to start based on the hitter? Or are you honestly just kind of filling in lanes and trying to get hit with the ball? Like, for, for you to have this many digs, I, I, I doesn't happen by accident, right? So just, just give us the behind-the-scenes look of what the prep was like. Did, did you feel like you had a base defense and that's what you played and you just kind of read? Or was there different starting spots or different prep for different dudes? Uh, we we definitely, like Frank, our, our head coach at Sheridan, if I, he had our, we had our base defense, which it was, you know, we, we blocked, because we were shorter, we kind of healed the line so the guys couldn't just bounce the ball down the line and we'd ship our guy to six to five, just kind of stand there. But we also, you know, Frank was really good at like watching. He's really good at watching video and finding tendency. Every player's got like a tendency, right? Favorite shot, you know, a 22-23 pressures on. Like, what are they going to do? Frank really helped me to learn to see that and identify what that shot would be. And in that sense, where he he Frank just trusted me as, as lib. Where yeah, we had our base defense, but he also trusted me where if I see something. Like go go fill that lane, go step in, go do what you got to do, just get that ball in there, sort of thing. And my first two years was there wasn't a ton of that, but after that, Frank really showed me and taught me how to read those what what they're going to do in those situations. Really helped read the situation better, and and just see what see what the tendencies are of the hitters, and to just step into that 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 favorite shot of it there. And yeah. Honestly, that was my favorite part of volleyball, you know, when the guy goes up, hits his favorite shot, I think he absolutely just destroys them at the point, and all of a sudden you hear, hear me yell up, you know, that's, that's the definitely my favorite part of the game. Now, did it ever surprise you how strong some of these tendencies could be? Because I, I totally agree with your coach, Frank. Like, under pressure, I think guys will go to what they're comfortable. Like, well, was it really just doing your homework and then stepping in and being an athlete? Because, like, the guys you're digging, like, I'm, I'm thinking of that fan shot scene with, like, Zach Albert and Cole Jordan and JJ. Like, you're... you're 
getting hammered by some pretty heavy balls here, right? But <laughs> was it just the confidence yeah. of knowing I did my work and now I just need to like take care of it? I need to execute this assignment. Like, is it fair to say that most hitters, like under these pressure situations, like you knew what you had to do? Like, even if they know you were coming, you just had to execute? Yeah, I think so. It was, um, don't get me wrong, when you name, when you name those guys like Zach Albert, Cole Jordan, they, they had six different shots that <laughs> were favorite shot, you know? So it was, you know, some games, some games I got it right, and there was the other games where I was, they, they, I was wrong. You know, and it, it happened, right? It was, it was just one of those things. But, yeah, I think it was a lot of just confidence, believing in myself, believing in my, my capabilities and my abilities to just read the ball, get there, and just, touch it with whatever I can, right? You know, it's definitely a liberal thing to say, but, you know, if they hit you in the face, it's still a big, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, no, I think it, was, it came down to just believing in myself, believing in my teammates, you know, because technically when I step into that lane, I'm, I'm leaving with something open, and I, I believed in my teammates, and they believed in me, and they, they, they trusted me to step in, and I trusted them, whereas if I step in and they hit it somewhere else, that they're in that spot for me and it was more times than not that was the case and that really helped me to just without without hesitation dive into a spot and with you kind of growing into the leadership role and you were named captain like how did you eventually start managing what the block was doing to help create these lanes? Cause I think that's something that young liberos need to learn pretty early. Like instead of just yelling at your middle, cause they didn't close the block or whatever. It's like, okay, I need you to take this lane or we need to funnel this way. Like how did you eventually mature and grow into the tactics of like, if you can funnel him this way, I'm going to make a play. Even if he can like rip it a hundred percent, like you do your job, I'll do my job. Like when did that part of the game really get excited? Like maybe it was for you happening in club or was it something in college when you had video and game plans that you could start to think of like, manipulating what the block could do so you could do your job behind them versus like the, the idea that you're covering everything, right? Um, yeah, it was, um, big, big club. It wasn't so much me. It was, it was more the coaching that said, Hey, like let's funnel at the ball this way. Let's in this situation, let's do it that way. I want to say it was my second year or so where Frank was actually encouraging me. Hey, you know, if you see something, go toss the block, you know, it's, if you're you're the one behind that block every single point, right? You're the one who sees it, sees the most out of the most blocks, the most hits. And so he really started encouraging me. So I started to try and really work on that in my second year. And then third year is when I started, I think, taking a little more control of that. You know, I, I when we're serving and we're going up to the net, and you know, you, you got your blockers showing what they're blocking. Every now and then, I'd be like, hey, hey, no, no, this one we're going to take cross here. You get, you get cross two times, you're going to take cross here. Let, let the right side hit down the line. I got it. Don't worry sort of thing, you know, or, man, he, he bounced three balls down the line here. Uh, here, go, you block, steal the pin on this one ball, just so he sees something different, and you force, force him to hit a shot that's maybe a little uncomfortable for him, and you know, stuff like that. I want to say my third year is when I really started to take control, and when I got that captain role, maybe it, it helped with the, the confidence to say, hey, trust me, do this, right, I, I, trust me, sort of thing. And I think you were being a little modest earlier when you said you guys would just get crazy digs and wait for the other team to make a hitting error where uh, I, I thought you guys had great high ball management, guys are taking swings, but it, it also challenged you to master another part of our game where you're you're a great defender, but there was other guys getting digs on your team too, right? So now you're stepping in as a secondary setter. Like for you, did Sheridan have like one out of system set and you knew like the ball to give everybody or did you have to start learning different hitters and what ball they need? Like it, you were doing so much that it wasn't just passing and defending, like you would also step in and get some assists here and there. So 
for you to kind of master that, uh, it, it is cool to hear that you were actually a setter for a few matches. But uh, as a libero coming from the back row sets, like, was there a, a unique set for each guy, or did you guys kind of have like, this is our system set, we're going to set it high, you're going to take a good chew? Like, what was that side of the game for for Frank and the Sheridan guys? Um, yeah, I think it was. It, it kind of depended on who was in the front row. We had certain guys where, it was, you know, we always, obviously we had our outlet, our, our you know, our main guy to go to every year. It was usually our um, our P one uh, marker for my three years. The last two years, this past year, we had Patrick and Duel on the right, so he was he was big for that. But yeah, it was um, for the most part, especially when it was something like it was, I was in control, like I was like I was set underneath the ball. It wasn't really a scramble play. I would tell our left sides and our and our right sides like, hey, let's let's run a little tempo here, like especially because we were an undersized team a lot of the years. So it was a high ball. We the other guys, had, the other teams had these six four, six five right sides with the six five middles coming and still in the ten on, on our five ten left sides, five five eleven left sides. So I'm like, hey, let's let's try and run a little little bit of tempo, not like super fast, like what I don't know if you saw any video from us this year, but like our our offense was ridiculously fast this year. But the, it was just a little something faster to force them block, maybe the block be a little late just to help out our undersides for left side. Worked most of the time. Every now and then, you know, I, it, it just it was a little low, a little high, within better just to maybe do a high ball. But yeah, we. we kind of depend on the situation where the ball was and yeah learning each and every person every year at the start of september when it's summer preseason to september as, as the live you know hey let me get some setting reps with you just to, to see where you like the ball let's figure out what you like from me do you want just a high ball from me do you think you can run something a little faster from me sort of thing and it was just it was a process every every off season with the new guys coming in to just figure out what they, what they were comfortable with. Yeah, no, that's so cool because I think it's put so much pressure on the defense where sometimes you get into a rhythm where it's like, yes, we, we got the setter out, we're going to get a high ball here and other teams are maybe even going to like throw a triple up or like they're getting an advantage where if you can dish the tempo a little bit, it just puts so much stress on them where, man, we did everything we could, we got them in, under pressure and they still scored a point. Like that's what makes it so difficult to play against you guys. So so for our listeners, it might be a little challenging to keep track of all the COVID stuff here. But uh, in Ontario, I thought this year was going to be extra challenging for you guys where the, the season gets laid out, the schedule's there. So first semester, you're only playing exhibition stuff, maybe a couple tournaments, but it's mostly training. And, and the, the season was going to be the shotgun finish starting in January. But then in Ontario, we have another lockdown and the schedule changes again, right? So what was the feeling going into your fifth year? Like, obviously, it was exciting to get back into the gym and maybe play some exhibition stuff. But what, what was the lead in when the season kind of got canceled and delayed again at the start of January? Yeah, it was, this year was this year was one of a kind. Honestly, I think it was probably one of the toughest seasons to play in ever for the OCAA because we got to go ahead September, start practicing, start working. You know, we play all our exhibition right through that first semester. Then, we come, then comes that Christmas break, January, when they throw us into lockdown, and you're like, man, like we just we just worked, worked hard. We just killed ourselves for the last four or five months trying to get ready for the season. It sucked. It was, it was gut-wrenching, you know, especially in my fifth year and being finishing up school. You know, this team, I was just, in that first semester, it's like, fell in love with just the team dynamic. Right, we had the we brought in we had a couple of older guys come in too. We had the younger guys, and it was usually you see a lot. It happened a lot. 
at least with us, where we had the older guys who were, you know, we had, every year we had guys who were like late 20s, 20, 29, 24, 25, sort of thing. And then we had the first guys coming in, and you would find those young guys, and the key guys had trouble kind of clicking with the older guys. It wasn't that they didn't like them, and you still got, were a great team, but to have that, like, brotherhood, like, hey, let's go up, let's the conversations, the hanging out outside of volleyball, the stuff like that, the, that, that you didn't always get with the older guys. But this year, even with guys like Patrick and Dula, Brendan Warner, Chris O'Brien, who are all older guys, me now included, I guess, you know, um, it was, <laughs> it was just, you know, it was a fun thing. Every, every, after every game, after every win, we, we, as a team, we'd always go out, have a, have a meal together, go out and just, enjoy ourselves, hang out, do something. And so it was, it was fun like that. And it was, um, yeah, I was getting a lot of topic here, but yeah, so coming back to the question of the, the season, yeah, it was gut-wrenching to see that team possibly, I, I don't know if go to waste is the right word, but just not get the chance to, not get the chance to take, to take a run at the, at the championship. That was the best team I had played on at Sheridan in five years. Um, you know, I arguably just as good, if not better, than that team that, that won bronze. If you ask, you know, guys like Patrick Andula, who played on that previous bronze team the year before I came to Sheridan, you know, he even said, like, he felt like we would we would take that team, we would have to give that team a run for their money every time we played them. So it was just a, it was gut wrenching to see the chance to take our run of the championship, especially after playing the offseason possibly not happen at all. And then so it was, we had um, our strength and conditioning became like a virtual thing. Everybody at home doing it through Zoom. And that was sort of the only team sports-related stuff that we could do as a team, right? And then so then they keep going, you get closer to it. And then you start hearing like the, I think the OUA was, said they were going to play first. Like they were the, before us, like they said they were going to play. And so it was like, but there was nothing coming out of the OCAA yet. And so it was, at least from my standpoint, from what I had heard. And then so it was like, oh man, like, is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? Finally, you got the, yeah, go ahead. Here, you got, I think it was a week and a half to practice, and then you got your first game. After two months of not being able to touch a ball, here's a week and a half, touch a ball, and then you, you got your first league game. And you're only playing nine games, so. That made every game so important. And it was basically every game you lost was the position in those standings, right? So it was just that's what it was. And it might have only been nine games, but sometimes, like, I, I think at its peak, you probably played three matches in one week. So it felt like yeah. there was probably no training time, right? It just felt like you were going from game to game, right? Oh. Yeah, that was, that was the biggest difference between all the past years, right? It was in past years, you had one game a week. Every now and then, you had two games a week. And then so it was even just for like a game time standpoint, like we'd, say we'd have one game on a Thursday or a Friday every week, right? So you'd come to practice Monday, we'd go over, we'd go over some video, you'd, get, you'd come up with your game plan, how you want to face the team, you'd practice it for three days, then you dive in and you go, here you go, here's what we got, here's what we came up for you. Where this year, this year you're like playing two games minimum a week, a lot of week three. So game planning, we kind of had to come up with like, all right, what's the best game plan for all three that we can kind of sum up into one thing <laughs> right? and just work on that. 
Or you kind of just take like, for example, when we play a team like Humber, who is a top seed, you know, like, oh, right, we got Humber. This week. We're gonna we're gonna work on Humber, and we're gonna deal with whoever we're playing this week, or Redeemer with another team. Hey, we're gonna plan for Redeemer. We're gonna deal with the other team this week. Just kind of fit, try to figure it out on the fly. And so that was just the biggest difference, and it just it made it it made it a very different season, a very difficult season in the sense where you had to really pick your battles on planning for these teams, planning for these games. And it just, and it really, um, I think our team did a great job of that. I think we were one, I think we were one of the more flexible teams in the league this year for how we could play each team, just because even outside of me, like we could, we had a lot of guys who play, play defense. I think we were one of the top two or three teams in games this year too. Again, and so that plus we wrapped up our offense and we had, one of the top three offenses in the league, I think. Between us, Humber and Redeemer, I think we are the top the top three teams at the top three offenses, I think, this year in the NCAA. And so it just it made it exciting, but it made it very different. It made very challenging on the body. It, that was a big thing too. You know, it was we had a very, we had an old team this year. We had a couple we had two guys over thirty. We had Eric, our starting center, me, 23, you know, I, I would feel it up, you know, store after games, you know, icing and taking care of your body has never been so, I want to say important, it's obviously always important, but just so, like, it was required, it was a necessity, if you even wanted a chance to be able to play, to play, compete the entire season, and it just made it that much more difficult, and it put our, our AT, our, our AT this year really to the test, and... <laughs> She did a, She did an amazing. She kept us in, in, together. Like we, if we didn't have our AT this year, we would have been screwed. For sure, and Sheridan does have a great athletic uh, therapy course. Like that's kind of the spot, right? So yeah, I'm sure you guys get yeah. a, a great uh, student and a great head therapist every year. So with this year, you guys being in the West, do you think that helped you prep for the playoffs? Because uh, the OCW usually you are separated, but usually you can go to tournaments and see the other conference. Where it, it just happened this year, where where the West looks so much stronger. So as you're going into the playoffs, like what was the mood around that first crossover? Like you, you talked about how you guys would go for meals and talk about how good and how special this team is. Well, now when the season's on the line and you get the draw for the quarterfinal, like what was the mood prepping for that, that first crossover against the team you, you probably haven't seen. And, and if you did play them before in your career, it's probably been two years since you've seen some of these guys. Right. So what, what was yeah. the mood prepping for a team who let's be, let's face it might as well have been from Quebec because you probably didn't see anybody from the East in the last two years. Right. Like, so we had, we had ended up getting crossed over with um, George Brown, or sorry, not George Brown, no, Georgian. Uh, Georgian this year was, has always been the, one of the top teams in the East. They've been competitive for my entire team and time in the OCAA. They've always been one of that top teams. They've always been in those East. So, and, and we were going to have to play them in their gym. So it was, that, that was very, you know, it wasn't like we could play in our home gym. So, a gym that nobody on our team had ever seen or played in before. Like, not a single person had ever played in that gym. And so it, it was, it was nervous. Like, I want to say we were, we were a little nervous, but we were also just excited. And it was a lot of, we, we trusted ourselves and we trusted our, our team and our, our play. Um, you know, we came in, we walked into that gym and we was like, on the bus, all we could talk about is like, this is not going to be an easy game. You know, we're going to have to play our, our best game if we want to come out here with a win. 
And I think I think we did, and I think we the way we the way we beat. Don't get me wrong, Georgia was an amazing team. I they had if they played anybody else, if we hadn't played as well as we did, that would have been a very different game. And in the sense that we came in and we beat them three zero, but if we hadn't played as well as we did, it would have been a very different game. And it was just belief in your belief in our team, belief in our system, and just belief in just our capabilities to come in, perform, and just do what we got to do. Like, I still remember that. Our first set, we were, we were down like 23-19, and our, our P1 goes back and rips six jumpsters in a row. Like, absolutely unloads on them. Like, we're down 23-19. I've, I've never seen, before that game, I had never seen him hit a jumpster like that, and it was just, Talk about the right time to, to I guess, peak on your jumpsters, I guess. For him, he, he comes in and he's putting a ton of pressure on them, which is forcing them to do high balls, does some heat, but he's forcing them to do high balls and just out of system stuff. And then we got our big, our big block, Patrick and our Brendan, one of our two biggest middle blockers there, and that it gave them the ability to get there and steal and press. And then we got our, our defense to really get set behind it and just stuff like that was that was us playing our best game and it was just if like I said if we hadn't done that I would have been a very different outcome who would have won who knows but it would not have been a, a 3-0 win if we had not played our absolute best that game. for sure for sure and as the draw progresses you see uh you're going to play Humber and, and I mean that is yeah. as good as a, a OCAA team as there have been the last let's not even exaggerate like 30 years even so and you yeah. get to play them at their gym which is kind of a fun feeling and they, they got they fill the, the stands there really well so uh, i know you would have played them in the regular season but again what was the mood prepping for that match where now now it's for a chance to play in the ocaa final and you got to play them in their home gym and it's going to be loud and it's going to be fun yeah it was i was we were excited to play them Honestly, like it was, it was no, it wasn't a matter of like nobody, nobody said it was like, oh man, like the Humber. Like we were, we were excited. We wanted Humber. We, we honestly believed that we were good enough to beat them, and I, I still believe that. You know, are they a good team? Absolutely. That's why they beat us three zero, and we were playing really well. Like our, it was, I, I, we came into that game that whole week leading up. We were. I don't even want to know. I don't even know how many games of theirs I've watched. We watched as a team. We tried to break down. Like we were all in. Like we would. Like I said earlier, it was. We're gonna plan for Humber. We're gonna do everything we can for Humber, and we're gonna just deal with whatever we get. If we get to the final, we'll just deal with it and we'll figure it out on the fly. Because we were we were all in for Humber. We wanted them. It was. I believe we. I think we played. Them better than just about anybody had prior to that game, prior to that game that entire year. We pushed them to late in almost every set. They would go up, we'd come back and be back and forth. They would, there's lots of digs and then lots of big hits, lots of big blocks. And it was, it was like one of those games where even though we lost like 3 0, I have no regrets for that game and how it went. I, it's one of my favorite games to have played in in my career. And it was just, it was a lot of fun with the energy, the environment, and just to get to play and perform. You know, it's a difference to get to play against a team, but when your team performs as well, when you're playing against that, a team that good, 
it just turns into amazing volleyball, and that was it was an unreal experience, and it was something again something I'll never forget. And take me through the bronze match because you guys have to recover and you have to be resilient, but. I'm reading the box score. Is it true you guys had to go to North Bay? Like it usually in the OCAA, you, you win your your pre quarter, your crossover match, and then they have like this festival field, this elite eight, and you all meet in one spot. Where uh, obviously yeah. due to COVID, that wasn't going to be an option this year. But even the final four wasn't hosted at one venue. You guys had to recover after the Humber game and go to North Bay. Uh, so we actually we played Humber in North Bay. Oh, okay, Friday. okay. Uh, it was the the pre quarter. We had we had a home game against Cambrian. So. So usually the pre-quarter is the crossover, the round of 16. So they kept that in division, and then they went to the quarterfinal, and that's where they did the crossover. Oh, I see. Okay, okay. And that's where we went to Georgian. And then the following weekend, we drove, drove up to um, North Bay, played Humber there, and then the Broadmoor game against um, Ken, Ken North. So you didn't have to play in Humber's ruckus gym. That's okay. Uh, so you're playing in North Bay, but uh, as you recover for the bronze, one thing that I, I always find super interesting is it, it's a little, you're a little deflated. You're going into it. And yes, you still get to play for a medal. And after the game, it's going to feel way better finishing third than fourth. But for some teams, it's hard to fire up for. And for you guys, you're playing the host team and you drop the first set. So what's the mood in that set change when you're getting ready for the second set? Like, did you ever get a sense that guys were just kind of throwing it in, or how did you guys reset and battle again? Yeah, like, honestly, I, I do believe that the bronze medal game is the hardest game to win in, in any sport. You know, you, you're deflated, you just lost the semifinal, you're no longer in the final, you're down, you're deflated, and that's the biggest thing is which team bounces back best. And I think, obviously, we... we I don't think we not, we showed up to that game ready to, to go. I think it was, even in warm-up, it just kind of seemed off. You can kind of tell, like, even me, myself, and Chad, like, it, it crossed my mind a couple times, like, man, I wish we were in the gold, but we're here now. And then we lost that first set, and it was like, oh, man, you know what? We're not going home without a bronze. We're not going home without without uh, that medal. And so after the, it, the first set, really, the fire under us and woke us up, and that's where the... It also helped having you know the older guys, more experienced guys, where it's like, okay, yeah, we lost the first set. It doesn't matter. There's, there's, there's a reason you play best of five, right? And that that really helped spark the interest. And, and then another huge thing, and this is a huge thing, the entire season for us was our bench was absolutely unreal. We had we got so much energy from those guys. They had so much fun on the bench. Like I, I heard it from countless teams, the guys on the other team play, and they're like, man, like I've never, they've never seen a bench with so much energy, so much excitement throughout the entire match, win or lose, right? Like it was every point, everything, all you hear is them cheering in the back, screaming, like we didn't need to celebrate on the court because the bench did it all for us, every single point, right? It was, it was amazing. I wouldn't, it was probably the best, one of the best benches I've ever had on my team. And I, like I've, it's not that I've had bad benches. Like, there's always guys getting set on the bench, but this, they just they had fun and they took control of every game we went into. Like they, like I remember during the Humber game, like they they made they brought the entire gym cheering for, like just made the entire gym energy go up for every team, every point. They just made brought the excitement to the gym you know, as a whole, no matter whether it was home or away. And it was just it was unreal, and so that was. That also was a huge aspect to us coming back to in that bronze medal game. Yeah, for sure. And did you guys get a sense like your confidence started to grow because the set scores started to like wean a little bit in your favor, where you dropped the first one, and I think 
sorry, I don't have it in front of me anymore, but I think he closed out the fourth set like 15 or something, which must have meant you guys just really started rolling. Like, what, what was the mood of the match? Like, once you guys flipped the switch, was everybody dialed in and ready to go? Yeah, I think once once, our, once we started getting going, it was it was just the the execution was there, the the, the performing was there. Nobody nobody was making those first sets we were making mistakes, little mistakes, a lot of misfires, a lot of balls just hit out by waves, mishits entirely, and then kind of switched the flip. And you know, we, we started getting going, we started getting a little more of a rhythm, and then once we, once we got into a rhythm and we were feeling good, it was we were we were just in control and it was just our game. We were playing our game at that point and once we're playing our game, I don't think there's anybody we can't we couldn't beat. That's so cool to hear and, and I'm looking at the stats page now and I think going into this season, you were actually the OCAA all-time dig leader. So even though the season got interrupted, you probably just padded your stats there. Uh, unfortunately, they don't do single season stuff, but it, it's just so cool to hear your engagement and how you're a team guy. And it's cool to own this stat and your name will be on this list for a long time. But uh, it doesn't seem like you're the, the guy bringing this up at dinner after with the guys. It seems like it's all team focused, which is awesome. So it, it's great to hear that you guys could close it back because I agree with you. Those bronze medal matches can be gnarly. But as you look back now, now you have an accomplishment. You got some hardware there and it's just a great message for the team and, and for what Sheridan's accomplished. Like that's a great volleyball program. And now your name will be right up next to those guys who won uh, if it's true, I think they won six provincial championships in a row. I think that was Mike Albert's days yeah. and a few other guys. Yeah, like, Yeah, it was when Mike Albert was there back in the 80s, 90s. So it's been a while, but it, it was a good feeling to have our have our name. Even though it was just a blog, it wasn't championships, but to have our name, to share the name back in the in those columns was, is huge. To have it twice in the last six years is, is huge for the program, and I think it's going go, to go upwards from here. Well, man, this has been great to hear about your story and to hear your battle and just the attitude effort and how that shows off in the stats and, and all your accolades here. So uh, one thing we've made into a tradition on the show is even though you've played at the highest level, something funny or unique or odd must have happened along the way. So I was hoping you could share a funny story before we let you go. All right. So, yeah, so the story I've, I've got in mind here was it was my 18 year, 17 or 18 year, I think. No, 18 years. It was 18 years. We, we were in the States for a tournament. It was a three-day tournament. So we had a, a couple of our, both our left sides and one of our middles. It wasn't icy hot, but it was um, like the same type of stuff. Did the same thing. I don't remember what it was. So they put it, they, our, both our left sides, both our starting middles were putting it on their legs before the game. And so, but it was like a cream and they didn't um, wash their hands off correctly in the old fully. So then throughout the game, you know, we're playing, we're playing, and then they start rubbing their face and they rub their eyes. As the game gets going, all of a sudden, you see their eyes just start getting red and they're getting watery. And they're like, man, I'm tearing up. All four of them, four starters on the court, all four of them are tearing up. They're like, oh, man, I can't see. And then it gets to the point where, like, they can't see. And they're like, they're, they're, they're rubbing their eyes more with the gel still in their hands. And then they get, <coughs> and so it gets to the point where, like, they go to our coach, uh, Mike Water, with their coach that year, I think, and they're like, coach, like, we can't see. You got to sub us out. So we got to, like, we got to sub four. And they're all like, to the bathroom holding each other's hands because they can't see where they're going with, with one of the guys who can still see and then they go and they're washing their hands and so it's just like it was a, all of a sudden you're like looking like what's going on it's tough all of a sudden four guys run up sub four I, mean, I didn't use it I was like hold on like can't see man like, we gotta go wash our eyes and so they just take off and it's like for the next 10 points and it's just like oh man okay you hear them come back and like alright we're good now and it's, 
it was, it was pretty funny. And after the game and after that entire season, we're laughing about that for the entire year to come up. It was like, wash your hands before every game. is that joke thrown in. Every time they had to do that gel, they probably spend their like, next 15 minutes washing their hands to make sure it didn't happen again. <laughs> so that, that, was, that was probably the funniest thing happened in, in my time playing volleyball, at least, that I can think of. I got a feel for Wobby on that one because if it happened to one guy as a coach, I'd be like a little bit annoyed. But like having four starters, I don't think I've ever subbed four dudes at once ever for any reason. Yeah. And here's Wobby trying to coach like a high performance club team and like, what are you guys doing? Yeah, it was like, oh man, we're like, and then we only had like one backup middle. So it was like our our backup libero was like, I think we put in the left side and our backup middle, left side got thrown in the middle. And then it was just like, everybody was like, half of them like, I don't play left, but I don't play middle. Where should I stand? Like, it looked like a high school team, right? It was like, oh, this is not a good look right now. Oh, that is so cool. Thanks for sharing that, man. So, yeah, it was great to, to think back of all the things you've accomplished as a club player, high school, uh, and finishing up at Sheridan here. So, congratulations on everything you've achieved, and thanks for sharing it all on an interview today. This was great. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. It was, it was a pleasure. Enjoyed it.